Chapter 16 of Order Number 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Order Number 11 by Caroline Abbott Stanley. Chapter 16 In Which Beverly Supposes a Case. The next day after this exploit and its happy termination, Miss Nanny sat out on the long piazza on the east side of the L. A clematis had been trained from post to post, and the great purple clusters hung down from the drooping profusion. Had they been a little deeper in color, a little more tinged with the blood of the vine, they might have passed as the grapes of Escol, so perfect were they in shape. The young folks were down at the grapevine tree, all except Beverly, who had been off riding somewhere and had just thrown himself, whip in hand, on the broad step at Miss Nanny's feet. She was reading The New York Observer, but she put it aside to talk to him and took up the roll of embroidery on her lap. "'Aunt Nan,' he said abruptly, after they had talked of the riding party of the night before and Virginia's escape, and the barbecue that was to be, why is it that Lois Chandler is never invited to any of these things? She doesn't belong to your crowd, said Miss Nanny, under the impression, apparently, that that answered the question in full. But why doesn't she belong to our crowd? That is the very thing I'm asking. We've always known her. The girls went to school with her. She's a neighbor. She belongs to our church. Only because there is no congregational church for them to go to. They were Congregationalists before they came here. Why, Aunt Nan, Lois Chandler was born here. She's a Missourian, just as Virginia is. Well, she's a Yankee, just the same. I thought Dr. Cheever had cured you of your prejudice against Yankees. There are Yankees and Yankees, Beverly. Dr. Cheever is a cultivated, educated gentleman. But the Chandlers... Mr. Chandler is a graduate of Yale College. Old man Chandler? Yes'm, he told me so himself. Why, Beverly, he was down south as an overseer. I know it, he told me that too. Miss Nanny looked at him with embarrassing directness. It seems to me he's been telling you a good many things. When did you and old man Chandler get so thick? He went down south when he was a young man, he said, ignoring her bantering remark with the idea of being a sort of missionary among the Negroes, and he started in as an overseer. Good judgment, she commented. Well, he didn't know how it was going to be, and then he gave that up and came up here and went to farming. He doesn't seem to have made much use of his education. Perhaps not, but Aunt Nan, I'm not talking about Mr. Chandler. It struck Miss Nanny that there was something strange in his not saying old man Chandler, as usual, but she let it pass. I'm talking about Lois. She is a nice, refined girl, and I can't see why she isn't taken in with the rest of the girls. I think it is a shame. He was so impotent that he felt hot and indignant. Miss Nanny stitched on imperturbably. Beverly, you can't force these matters. They regulate themselves. People find their own level in any community, and the level of an overseer's child even an ex-overseer's, is a different one from that of your father's daughter, naturally. Besides, she continued after a moment's thought, 
it would be no kindness to lois chandler to bring her into associations that could ultimately bring her only sorrow and disappointment what do you mean he paused in his work of snipping off the heads of the pretty by nights with his whip and looked up at her with genuine curiosity i mean she said if it must be so plain that young people who would never under any circumstances think of marriage had better not be associated very closely you never know where these things are going to end and why began beverly with heat and then he stopped prudence coming to the rescue aunt nan let's suppose a case just for the sake of argument very well present your case suppose gordon lay we will say well-born well-bred and well-educated as he is should fall in love with lois chandler and want to marry her now why shouldn't he do it it is his life why shouldn't he live it as he wants to and why shouldn't he associate with any other life that he wants to he spoke so impetuously so as if it were a real cause he was advocating that miss nanny laid down her work to answer for one thing because he owes something to his family if he is well born and well bred and well educated as you say they it is to be supposed have made him so and he owes it to them to give them a daughter of whom they need never be ashamed i don't know how dr lay would feel she broke off to say but i can tell you such a marriage would be a bitter pill to your father you couldn't strike him in a more vital spot than in his family pride he stooped over and pulled up a spear of grass waiting for her to go on which she did and then a man owes it to his children to give them a mother that shall be able to make them what his mother has made him it must be a source of great unhappiness to a man to be continually contrasting his wife with his mother to the wife's disparagement but he must do it if he marries beneath him but if he loves her oh love isn't everything beverly certainly puppy love isn't though i should hardly think that gordon lay would ever be carried away with i didn't say he was i only said suppose he should want to marry her there is another reason such a marriage would never bring happiness to him leaving his family out of the matter entirely her want of cultivation would be continually thrusting itself upon him he would come to be ashamed of her mistakes and her social shortcomings it would be a very strong woman that could hold a man under those circumstances lois chandler never could it would be a bitter day for gordon when he woke up but if he loved her he protested he would have the patience to teach her and bring her up to his social level it is safer to take one that is already taught remarked miss nanny astutely the teaching is apt to be a trying process to both if it comes after marriage such a person seldom realizes her own deficiencies and her husband's well-meant instruction she might mistake for nagging there would be a great chance for unhappiness there oh these little social conventionalities began beverly impatiently what do they amount to anyway i'm not talking about little social conventionalities i feel about many of those things just as you do some people seem to feel that the sum total of culture is to eat with your fork and sip soup from the side of a spoon instead of the end i'll grant you that such things can be acquired by anybody with a little effort 
but good breeding goes deeper than that and one of its best fruits one that can't be taken on with any veneer is a nice sense of the proprieties of life it teaches a girl what to say and how to say it what to do and when to do it and above all when not to do it it teaches her what to think what to feel after generations of this kind of thing right thinking right feeling and right acting become instinctive and it is really never very good breeding until it is instinctive she paused a moment then went on now take this case of lois and her readings that there has been so much said about since the exhibition i don't think myself that lois was a particle to blame in that matter she did what miss abby told her to do without a thought that she was doing anything out of the way of course she did he replied eagerly it was all miss abby's fault it is ridiculous the way people blame lois for that yes it is i agree with you about that but beverly a really well-bred girl would have seen the impropriety of it even if miss abby didn't and you have never heard me say that i considered miss abby a model she was strong in mathematics, but she was weak in social perception, or she would never have tried to give us that dose of Uncle Tom's cabin. Beverly flicked the pretty by nights relentlessly. He thought he could see the drift of this. Well, the point I want to make is this. Virginia, or Sally even, with all her love of fun, would never have done what Lois did. They would have seen at once that it was not the thing to do. And there is where Lois will always be at a disadvantage, and where she would many times be a source of mortification to a man like Gordon Lay. They sat in silence after this, and then Miss Nanny, thinking that there had been enough of this serious talk, asked, Who are you going to take to the barbecue? And it must be recorded that, after all her strictures upon Miss Abby, she said who, where that lady would have said whom. Oh, Sally, I suppose, returned Beverly gloomily. As he rose to go, Miss Nanny stopped him. She had been going over in her mind the case he had supposed. Beverly, you certainly don't mean that Gordon Lay is likely to become interested in Lois Chandler. She looked so distressed, and the supposition was so absurd that the temptation to carry it on appealed irresistibly to his sense of humor. I know he likes her, he replied with a non-committal air of gravity that implied ability to tell more if he thought it wise to tell. And, as you say, one never can tell where these things will end. He likes her. That may mean much or little, and Miss Nanny took it to mean much. She pondered over it when her nephew was sauntering toward the grapevine tree. Gordon certainly had been very outspoken in his defense of Lois whenever the affair of the selected readings was brought up, but— My, what a shock that would be to his family! Then she shook her head slowly and knit her brows. I always thought that some day Gordon and Virginia would— The perplexity in her face turned to cunning determination. I believe I will give Virginia a hint of this. Just a hint— I would hate to see her give her affections where— Oh, pshaw! I don't believe it. But she was believing a good deal more of it than Beverly ever intended she should, though she thought better of speaking to her niece about it. End of chapter 16 Recording by Gretchen McCluskey